Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The Reinsurance Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jared Lee. And I'm Ben Rose. Good to see you, sir. And you too. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Yeah, good. Today is a news update day. Ooh. So we love talking. Like, as reinsurance new- nerds, <laughs> as reinsurance nerds, the reinsurance news is always like a thing we follow super closely. Um, there's two dominant stories kind of right now, one more concrete than another, um, but um, before that, I think there's a few you wanted to touch. We'll, we'll graze quickly as we before we dive into the the heavier stories of our session. Indeed. So as it's June, uh, the the June renewal seasons are on the way, which mm. we'll come on to. But uh, it's also the end of results season uh, oh, yeah. for the, the prior year. So the couple I wanted to just flag. So on one hand, uh, very exciting to see Convex pretty much doubling in size last year. Yeah. It's a big push. And for reinsurance listeners, noticing that they're seeding about half of that. Yeah. So big reinsurance buyer being born. Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, you look at these emerging players. Obviously, Convex comes with a, a pedigree from that founding team, but it's really exciting to see how quickly they've gotten as big as they have. It shows that, you know, creating these companies from the ground up is is possible still. And, and they've they've very much proven that out and and moving quite quickly towards being profitable on that same basis. So um, really, really strong leaning, leading indicators that they are going to be a, a very sort of um, impactful sort of specialty insurer and reinsurer in the next several years. Indeed. And then, and then looking the other way, the other small story I wanted to raise was around actually getting smaller. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... It was interesting to see some early comms coming out from Patrick Tin and the the Lloyds, uh, man who has the hard job of of basically deciding what's going to be allowed into syndicate business plans or or not, and and he's described that the oversight this year for delegated authorities business in particular will be surgical and targeted. Uh, I think they're they're starting to notice that the expense ratio associated with delegated authority business in particular is noticeably mm-hmm. higher than for uh, open market uh, underwritten business. So it'll be yeah. very interesting to see how that comes out. We have we have had a uh, a bit of a, a delegated authority bonfire historically, as one yeah. Yeah. source put it, but uh, we'll see how that continues to progress because obviously it's a, although it does have some, often in many cases, a lot of facets which can aid efficiency and make distribution faster, it often comes with quite uh, sizable extra commissions with an extra yeah. mouth to feed in the chain. So yeah. uh, it'd be interesting to see how that plays out. The word surgical makes me feel like they've already made a lot of decisions for how they want to solve yeah. this thing. <laughs> and it's they're very specific as to what is going to change. So this will be one that, watch this space, we should have some some clear updates, I think, on, on this over the coming weeks probably. Um, so that's yeah definitely one to, to watch and see what Lloyd's does there. And speaking of surgical, should we move on to the the sort of main the main event seasonal yeah. topic for this news update? Well, it wouldn't be you know the June renewals without a big focus on Florida, and and Florida drives so much of of what the cat market, uh, especially this time of year, does, um, and and it's looking like a really challenging renewal um, with things coming out late, but there's also uh, late. Uh, legislation changes on the books and stuff as well. So we'll touch on both of these sorts of things. Yeah, it's been, I think it's been a long time coming as well, which is mm-hmm. the sad thing about it. We've seen, uh, as you say, numerous measures coming out 
possibly too little too late. In fact, to the point where some people are saying, for example, two proposals to expand the FHCF, the Florida Hurricane Catastrophe Fund, maybe we shouldn't do that. Maybe we should just let the, the smaller players, the, the insurance minnows in that market fail mm -hmm. and have a more reliable, smaller group of insurers uh, in that market. Uh, but in the absence of their support at the moment, you're seeing policyholders you know, having to buy into citizens, the sort of fund of the, the insurer of last resort because nobody else is, is offering anything. Uh, and reinsurers in turn are proving in many cases unwilling to even quote business yeah. uh, just because they don't want to get involved at, you know, in the attritional. Well, and they've, they've introduced a new um, layer below the FHCF now as well, which um, apparently, and again, we don't know all the details of this just yet. Um, some people probably in the Florida market, I'm sure, are much closer to it. But it requires the insurance company to then have made some pass on some of those savings that they're getting from this new program down to the policyholder in order to qualify for this layer. But again, is it is it bailing out tiny carriers who some of the market says should, as you said, go by the wayside if, if they can't make it work? Yeah, and it, and it feels cruel in some ways because it, it's a one of those cases of uh, social inflation we're hearing that seems to be driving a lot of this where yeah. there's almost emerged a, a cottage industry of legislation uh, where, you know, various roofing suppliers are finding ways to persuade their potential clients to persuade their insurers in turn that they've been affected by a storm that they haven't necessarily been affected by in order to get a free roof and then through various uh, imbalances in the Floridian uh, legal framework, it's very easy for them to uh, take legal action if the insurer doesn't cooperate. So yeah. the, the legal fees in, in Florida alone are just yeah uh, astonishing to observe, even yeah. in comparison to the rest of the U.S. Yeah. Well, and, and when they when you look at the reforms that the, the Florida Senate's pushed through now and, and might be signed um, shortly... They're also attack, attacking and addressing some of these things, trying to, you know, push through some tort reform and some other constraints around how much can these companies charge, how much evidence they need to provide. And because it's gotten completely out of hand and that market doesn't feel viable most of the time. You know, there's obviously the huge cat exposure and, and that is a risk. You have the hurricane and, and the flooding risks and things. Um, but it it has to be able to, to stand on its own to two legs and with as you said the the roofers being able to replace every roof in the state for you know and 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 all of these things in the in the lawsuits and all manner of things that have are running rampant it's making it very very difficult for carriers to run profitable business yeah. um, a lot of big carriers have left over the last decade I remember when state farm pulled out a, a number of years back and it was a made a bunch of noise doing that but it's proven itself to be a very, very difficult market to be successful in. And the only one that's sort of held up by government programs of that magnitude. Yeah, and it, it's interesting to watch the reinsurers respond as well. I, I think many of them are saying, you know, even with these measures, they're still very cautious about participating. Yeah. I think I, I saw a quote from Kevin O'Donnell at Ren Rees saying, if you're... If, if the theater is on fire, then you don't really want to perform there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, which kind of sums it up, I guess. Oh, he'd be a good analogy battle <laughs> participant. <laughs> Indeed. Um, but, but you're right. And then when you look at the, what they require to participate, you're looking at what are, they, what are they putting, like 
rate on lines of almost 100 or 100 in some cases. In some cases, right? Yeah. Which weirdly makes economic sense if you include the reinstatements, but yeah. in most cases it's just astonishing. But it's showing, one, the desperation for the re for the insurers and, two, the, the, the strength that the reinsurers have to say, well, we're happy to walk away from these deals because mm -hmm. it makes no sense economically for us to be here. Um, so that's a really, really interesting one. And and now what you're seeing as well is this this risk that a lot of those deals are going into the market very, very late, uh, which is reminiscent of the retro market at 1-1 um, that didn't bode well for the for the reinsurers buying retro very late. They, mm -hmm. they kind of got stung. Um, so yeah, we will see what this looks like. But We'll have to do a deep dive. Maybe we'll do a, a podcast on that, the sort of renewal reports that everyone will put out after this uh, after this season with, with what actually transpired, and, and we'll compare it to what was predicted. Sounds like a plan. And also on today's news update, we've got a special color as we discuss a rumor. We, yeah, it's a rumor mill day. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's the, the rumor that's hit the press recently about Howden potentially pursuing a purchase of Tiger Risk. Um, which is really interesting because Tiger is obviously the fourth largest pure reinsurance broker, um, and and Howden has been making a push towards getting bigger in that space for a number of years now. Um, they did some some big hires at uh, Light last year. They made the RKH acquisition a, a handful of years ago now. Um, but yeah, this would be this would be impactful. It's it's an exciting play. I think for us, we look at. Uh, what was an environment prior to Gallagher e. Willis of effectively the big three and then was there going to be a big two if they on board Willis and then there would only be just, you know, loads of challenger brokers, but none of them very big. Mm. I we're now I think starting to see some of those smaller players start to consolidate where possible. And what's happened in every case is that the biggest opportunity for consolidation seems to have come first. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Gallagher finding itself in the reinsurance breaking landscape, one of the smaller players outside of the big two that it was going to be yeah. acquiring the third biggest at Willis. So it's made, it seems, the next natural choice for somebody who wants to climb out of the pool of smaller reinsurance breakers to now look at the fourth biggest, yeah. which is Tiger, right? So, yeah. You start to wonder at that point, oh, what, who's left to buy yeah. if they do take Tiger in this scenario? Yeah, and the multiples look amazing as well, which is yeah. It, I mean, it, it'll be a the multiples will be big. The, obviously, Tiger got the investment from FlexPoint forward what two years ago? Yeah, just not over. Long ago for yeah, Ethereum, so that's right. Like that's the other return. really interesting thing. So it, it must have shown a huge amount of organic growth within within the Tiger book to justify. That move, or or just the the, the exit, the purchase price is sufficient mm -hmm. for FlexPoint forward to to be intrigued by it. Um, it's exciting, though. I think culturally, those two firms are quite aligned. They're both very entrepreneurial. They're both very sort of innovation centric and and heavy, and they and they try to leverage technology in ways to. Um, I know the Howden team has the Hyperion X group, and we'll talk mm -hmm. to some of them. Um, I know Tiger's built tools like Tiger Eye, so they they very much are firms that like to lean into and leverage technology to to find a way to really stand out and and compete. And I think it could be a very interesting challenge into the new, especially as the Gallagher team is still sort of finding their feet, um, or the Willis team is finding their feet within the Gallagher environment. You know, I think it presents an opportunity to 
to sort of shake, keep that space, you know, in in flux. So yeah, yeah, yeah and I, I think as well, this one's got a lot of. And again, we're, we're talking about it as if it's done. I think it'd be so sad if it just nothing happened. We're like, well, <laughs> it was an interesting theory, but <laughs> yeah. but, but it, it does look that complementary, right? When you think about it yeah. as well, in terms of Howden's gradual growing of many small offices all over Europe and and beyond, you know, yeah. as a, in a sort of an international reinsurance brokers book, and then Tiger's very U.S. centric yeah. portfolio. Yeah. I think it's fair to say that then becomes actually a really nice fit. Yeah. to building a global big four reinsurance yeah. broker play. I mean, it was still very much, I think, the big two and then big three and then four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you look at how the insurance insider breaks it out, it's it's firms with more than 400 million in revenue, yeah. of which the smallest is 800 and then the multi-billions yeah. at, at GC and at, at Aon. Um and then you have the below 200 million. So Just it's pretty much everyone, everyone else. Yeah. So um, they are very much in that tier two category, very much on their own. Uh, but yeah, it's it'll be a fascinating one to watch. I think it, it will be far less of a hassle than sort of the Aeon Willis discussion and everything else that was sort of drug out for a year and a bit. Um, this seems like something that we'll have more definitive positioning on possible possibly by the time this podcast gets launched <laughs> like but you might be listening to this and i already know the answer um but at the moment it's still very much in this rumor mill i i know a bunch of people from my time at tiger and and the feedback is is that we get inundated with interest all the time mm-hmm. and the news picked this one up so you know and they're they're a great firm and i wouldn't be surprised if they're getting a lot of inbound in uh, interest so um, obviously, Howden is one that they they might be interested in seeing, and I think it'd be a really good fit for them. But yeah, it's it's a it's a fun one to watch. We have to wait and see, and uh, hopefully, in another podcast soon, we'll be spilling all the beans. The, there will be the the M and A market will be hot for a while, I think, especially in, in the reinsurers. We might have future rumors to discuss on that one. But um, yeah, this is this is one that's kind of got the industry a bit a bit of buzz. So. Very, very interesting one to keep us keep us keep an eye on. Yeah, on our toes. Yeah, that's the quick news roundup. So we this is a one of our favorite ones at the end of each month is to kind of do a quick circle back of what did, what's happened. Um, so stay tuned for the next one. But until then, thank you again for listening to the Reinsurance Podcast. See you soon.